This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Last year, the state of Texas enacted laws that prevented municipalities in that state to work with banks that had certain ESG policies in place. And this could have downstream impacting communities. In this case, five of the largest municipal bond underwriters no longer doing business in the state of Texas. And that move has led to higher levels of interest paid by municipalities in the months since the laws were enacted. But in the scope of our conversation, we focus on how this will impact, say, the gun and ammunition industry in the state, which is obviously big business. But many banks don't want to do business with those entities in the wake of so many violent shootings and deaths at schools and other locations in recent years. Daniel Garrett is an assistant professor of finance at the Warden School. He was co-author of a paper that looked at these developments titled Gas, Guns, and Government Financial Costs of Anti-ESG Policies. Dan, a pleasure to have you with us. Thanks for a few moments today. Hey, Dan, thanks for having me on the show. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you. And I guess this is a very interesting topic to look at when you think about the role that ESG initiatives are playing right now and how they are going to be looked at, not only at the federal level, but at the state level as well. And there's a couple of you know elements of that state level that may very well end up being more important as we move forward. Yeah, that's right. So I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about what we find in the paper. So this is a new paper that's joint with the co-author uh, Ivan Ivanov of the Federal Reserve Board. So we've been looking at um, – we, we both follow the, the municipal market quite closely, and so this is a, a really big rule for the municipal space. Um, we see this is not actually the first time that states have tried to regulate what sort of activity um, municipal banks can uh, engage in. And so, for instance, um, if you remember the, the Wells Fargo case from several years ago where, where Wells Fargo was uh, caught engaging in uh, a few sorts of consumer fraud, the, bank, the state yeah. of California actually banned Wells Fargo for that from uh, negotiating municipal deals then. So this is not the first time that we've seen states use the municipal market as kind of a, a way of trying to enforce bank behavior that they want to see. Um, but this is new in, in, in that it's scale and that five large banks left Texas. So the five uh, large banks that left were J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Citigroup, and Fidelity uh, that used to underwrite about 35% of the, the debt in the market. And so it's, it, they've left a really big gap as they've left. So talk about the impact of those banks leaving that marketplace and as we kind of allude to, the downstream impact that it may very well have on municipalities around that state. Yeah, so <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, the municipal underwriters play a really important role in kind of intermediating uh, credit to municipalities. So municipalities in Texas borrow about uh, um, $50 billion of bonds a year from public markets. And so with how they do this is they, they go through a relatively large bank who's going to essentially uh, buy the loan from the municipality and then sell it to final investors. And so this, this is a pretty important role that they play. Um, and so it, it goes from very large borrowers like the state of Texas itself or the Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport that on April 1st of this past year had a $1.2 billion deal. Um, so they get very large deals or very small deals where there may be local school districts that are just borrowing 5 or $10 million at a time for uh, school upkeep. 
So, so we can see that um, the municipal market plays a really important role for accessing credit and investing in what we think of as durable public assets. So the very, the, what, what's really interesting about this scenario in Texas is that the very largest banks are the ones that have left. These are the ones with national or global scale who engage in a lot of markets. And so they've left, and it's actually the largest issuers in Texas who had the most exposure or what we would call previous business with these uh, underwriters. Uh, so we actually see that it's, it's very large issuers, think the, the largest issuers in Texas, who are actually seeing their borrowing costs rise, or we usually think of them as, as facing a pretty competitive capital market. Yeah, to how much then are those borrowing costs rising off of these moves? Yeah, are you able to gauge so, the percentage-wise of how much of an increase there, there has been in, in the last few months? Yes, that's exactly right. So, so this is, uh, I should note that what we're able to do is we're able to compare municipalities in Texas that, for instance, used to have J.P. Morgan Chase underwrite their bonds all the time with other municipalities in Texas that used to have, say, Robert Baird underwrite their securities all of the time. Uh, so we can compare two cities in the same state that have similar bond issues and say, how do their bond issues evolve over time? And so we can take out the daily average change in yields and just look at the difference and the yields between these two different municipalities that we're comparing. Um, and so what we find is, is that these uh, borrowing costs for uh, the way we calculate this is a one standard deviation increase and in the likelihood of, uh, excuse me, a one standard deviation increase in the previous share of your deals that was underwritten by one of these exiting banks, that a one standard deviation increase leads to about a 10 basis point increase in yields. Uh, the average in the last few months uh, of uh, offering yield for a municipal bond in Texas, depending on how you weight the data, is about 2%. Um, so 10 basis points on 2% is, is about a 5% increase in the borrowing cost for, say, going from um, having no reliance on these exiting banks to one standard deviation higher, which is about 25% reliance on these exiting banks. So it's substantial. To put this into another kind of framing, we can look at just issuers who are really, really reliant on these exiting banks. Uh, so those who had more than 50% of their bonds in the last 10 years were underwritten by these banks. What we see for that sort of issuer is that they see their borrowing costs increase by close to 40 basis points. Uh, we can do this a bunch of different ways. We can do different comparison groups. We can compare to borrowers outside of Texas. We can compare to borrowers in uh, non-Texas states that also don't have income taxes because that has important uh, characteristics for how municipal income, uh, bond income is taxed. Uh, and so we can compare to just Florida, and we see these, this increase of about 40 basis points for the most exposed people is, is consistent across all of our specifications. And so again, that's 40 basis points on 2% baseline. Um, so it's a really substantial increase in borrowing costs. Uh, and if we try to turn that yield into, say, uh, how much does that raise the net present value of interest costs going forward for the state of Texas? What we can do is we can take this uh, increase in yield um, 10 basis points on average for a one standard deviation increase. We can multiply that by the 35% exposure in the market. Uh, and then we can multiply that by the principle of bonds that have been issued since the rules took place in September of last year. Uh, so there have been about $32 billion of bonds issued in Texas in September of last year up through um, the data right now that I'm working with go through the end of April. So we should keep updating this as we go through the summer. But for now, just through the end of April, it's $32 billion. When we multiply this yeah. out, it comes out to about uh, $500 million of additional interest and in net present value that these municipalities in Texas are paying. 
So Texas being the case that, that you uh, looked at in, in this situation, but this is something kind of with the, the political landscape that we have in this country right now, it becomes important because this is something that could play out in other states. You alluded to the California example uh, over a v- wide range of different topics that maybe necessarily would not be associated uh, with this type of, of financial uh, financial struggle. Yeah, so there are, I'll start by saying two things. First, there are lots of states that are passing the exact same bills that Texas has passed. Uh, I think most recently, Oklahoma at the beginning of May passed the Firearm Non-Discrimination Act, which the idea is they want to ban banks who have ESG policies of restricting credit to firearm companies for certain reasons. Um, They want to have these uh, banks no longer participate in their market, so we'll see in a few months how that affects Oklahoma, but we see this on a lot of different issues. So the high-level question then becomes, what happens if we start really segmenting our markets farther based on uh, political persuasion? For instance, we might think that the ESG policies that certain firms take are seen as beneficial by some states and negative by other states. Or outside of the U.S., we can see maybe some jurisdictions that uh, are very large oil and gas producers not – not being kind to banks that take anti-oil and gas ESG positions. So we, uh, what I see happening in Texas, I think what's really interesting about the story is who leaves. It's not a random selection of banks who leave. Of course, it's, it's a selection of banks uh, that are, are making kind of profit-maximizing decisions, and they're choosing to leave, and they happen to be the largest. Uh, and what this winds up leading to is, is more segmentation in an already segmented uh, municipal bond market in the U.S., so I think the big concern for me going forward is that as, as different jurisdictions decide that they want to take their own stances on these ESG policies that we see the banking sector taking, this is going to lead to a lot of market segmentation and potentially bad outcomes for the people who rely on these banks for, for credit access who don't actually have anything to do with the ESG fights that are being had. So you mentioned in this that your concern here is not only one that's based in the United States, but this could be something that could very well play out in other countries around the world. Yes, yes. So one of the things, we don't model this directly in the paper, but one of the things we mentioned is that different different government jurisdictions that have different reliance on these businesses that may feel like they're being punished by ESG policies have very different incentives for how they fight back against the banks. And so we do expect that as, as different industries that may have different societal impacts in the U.S., that large U.S. multinational uh, banks, corporations, what have you, um, as, as countries want to kick them out, it's likely to be those that, of course, those uh, businesses are taking stances that may be negative to their profitability or negative to their tax revenues or the, the, the foreign jurisdictions may think are negative to their, their business in general. So, so yes, I do think that we're going to see uh, this is not the first time or the last time that we will see um, a, a governmental jurisdiction take a stance on a social policy that has financial implications. I think it does have uh, a chance of becoming more common. Uh, going forward in the U.S., we will see lots of these fights in the municipal space. Uh, since interstate uh, banking deregulation, um, we don't see states have a lot of other markets they can really punish banks using. And so that's why the, the public finance space winds up becoming really important for these sorts of 
um, social fights because that's what states have really easy direct access over. Are you able to determine, and is there then, because of the higher rates that are paid on, on some of the, these bonds, uh, a, a downstream impact on the, on the people in those communities as well? So I, I should note in this paper, we only have a few months of data so far because these, these laws only came into yeah. effect on September 1st of last year. So it's, it's hard to see yeah. long-run impacts. But I should note yeah. there are lots of recent papers. Uh, I, I'll, I'll note a few. Um, there's, a, there's a group of researchers at the New York Fed who are looking at uh, a lot of what happened in the municipal space at the beginning of the COVID crisis. I'm looking at the impact that uh, municipal liquidity uh, the municipal liquidity facility had on kind of municipal borrowing, municipal employment, municipal outcomes, and they find that these these markets are really important for determining the the scope and uh, scale of municipal government. And they're not alone. There's a lot of new research showing um, as borrowing costs go up for municipalities. There's a new paper by um, I'm going to draw a blank on his name, Professor Agarwal at the London School of Economics, uh, arguing yeah, yeah. that. Um, the, the the way that uh, bond insurance fell apart in the Great Recession for municipal bonds uh, led to worse water quality in the U.S. Um, so these papers yeah. are, are – lots of people are working on trying to figure out exactly how much municipal borrowing cost impacts uh, people who live in communities. But there's a lot of research out there saying that uh, these impacts are real and material uh, and do have impacts on everyday people's lives. Right, and and not normally associated uh, making that connection, I would think, in general, until you really dig deep into uh, the potential impacts. That's exactly right. And so as, as we dig into the impact, hopefully we're going to learn more, and hopefully um, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see what happens in the Texas scenario. I should note um, that in the beginning of May, uh, it seems that Citigroup and J.P. Morgan, at least, have more or less re-entered the Texas market. Uh, trying to say okay. that they think their ESG policies are in compliance with the Texas law, despite the fact that Texas industry groups say their law, their, the, the bank's ESG policies are not in compliance. Um, but it does seem that people have recognized this is costly. Um, and so actually, I, I mentioned earlier this DFW airport deal in April. Uh, this was underwritten by Citigroup, who was one of the banks that left uh, over the ESG rules in Texas, uh, but has, has since come back and said they think they're in compliance um, and that they were the best people, the lowest cost people to underwrite this deal for the Dallas-Fort Worth airport. Uh, and so they, they wound up doing it. And so I'm not sure how much willpower there is uh, in Texas right now to uphold the, 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 the kind of ongoing equilibrium that we saw after September 1st. Um, but that right. people have realized that it's kind of costly and that we need to kind of keep keep an eye on, on, on the, the costs incurred by this. Well, and I think you bring up a, a, an interesting point, and this is probably, again, kind of going to be a focus in the future, is the actual mindset of these banking institutions of maybe stepping away from the state because of uh, the the uh, issues over the ESG policies, but maybe saying, you know, we need to get back in. And, and part of it, I'm sure, is tied to the financial component of having these these bonds made available. That's right. And so, so there's, there's definitely a trade-off for every bank making this decision. They're saying, is our ESG policy better for us than being in Texas? And as more states right. join Texas, uh, it may be that that calculus changes. 
Um, and as they learn more information about how that affects their own their own profits for them to no longer be in a certain state, uh, that can change yeah. the calculus. So I think there's there's going to be continually updating. It's going to be a dynamic problem. But uh, in the first eight months, it looked really costly for Texas municipalities. All right. Great to talk with you, Dan. Thanks very much. All the best. Hey, Dan, thank you so much for having me. It was good to talk to you. Thank you. Daniel Garrett, Assistant Professor of Finance at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.